Hey, it's Mistress Carrie reporting for duty right here out of MCHQ for episode one of the Mistress Carrie podcast. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Image Custom Designs. They have been in the rock and roll business in Worcester for over 20 years. From full-on production to manufacturing premium custom road cases for the touring industry, this family-owned and operated business has completely pivoted. There's no tours on the road right now, but you know what people need? Acrylic sneeze guards to protect their cashiers. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're making the Northeast best acrylic sneeze guards. You know, those giant screens that are taking over every countertop in every retail establishment you go into. Utilizing the same dedication to craftsmanship for hardcore tour managers, but now for towns and businesses all around New England. They have gone all in on being part of the solution, and there is nothing more rock and roll than these guys. So if you want to get in touch with Image Custom Designs for road cases to move around sensitive electronic equipment or for the best acrylic sneeze guards you can find in New England, log on to imagecustomdesigns.com or call them directly at 508-757-3331 and tell them Mistress Carrie sent you and they'll hook you up. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by RPM Dynamics. Now, I have known the owner and CEO, Jim Rose, for over 20 years. He's the touring front of house engineer for Melissa Etheridge with over 30 years of experience touring in the pro audio world. And over that time, he has built quality relationships and become friends with uh, more people in the music side of production than you can even count. And he did it by keeping his standards at 110% for everything he does, both professionally and personally. And I can tell you, he put 110% into helping me get everything in MCHQ working perfectly. RPM Dynamics is primarily focused in the pro audio market with a pretty wide basket of focus, ranging from sales, service, support, and install of quality audio gear. Along with the retail and venue side of things, RPM Dynamics also focuses heavily on support of the touring industry. They've been supporting touring acts for the last decade, with clients like Breaking Benjamin, Chevelle, Hell Yeah, The Revivalists, and so many others. And RPM Dynamics is the place that you go in that oh shit situation. So if you're looking to upgrade the audio in your restaurant, in your bar, in your club, or maybe you're creating a new outdoor entertainment space, that's why you need to call Jim at RPM Dynamics. You can find him online at rpmdynamics.com or call 603-231-8556 and tell Jim that I told you to call. He'll take it from there. Okay. This is episode one of the Mistress Carrie podcast, and it would be almost impossible to start something new without including one of my oldest and dearest friends in the rock world, and he is about to become all of our therapists, seriously, one of the nicest guys in rock and roll, and just such a genuine, creative, hardworking guy. Make some motherfucking noise for Brent Smith from Shinedown. Hey, what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. What's up? This is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Her hair's so lovely. 
Hey, this is Brent from Shinedown. You're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your bra on, girl. Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you'll be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. What's up? This is Aaron from Stain, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Grohl from the Food Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the band Disturbed, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. This is Marilyn Manson, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. You're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is Dennis Leary. You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour, and you're listening to... You have the privilege of listening to Mistress Carrie. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. What's happening, young lady? How are you? I'm good. I'm actually at my granny's house right now because I was able to come into uh, my hometown of Knoxville, Tennessee and spend some time with her during all this uh, chaos because I was in California for like 14 weeks on lockdown, so I left about six days ago. So I'm in a good spot. I knew that uh, you were holed up in a hotel in California because I've been stalking your social media. (laughs) And you've been... You've been doing a lot of exercising because obviously there's nothing else to do when you're locked down by yourself in California. Yeah, I mean, I'm doing, you know, it, it was more about just, you know, me and Zach were out there working on the double album for Smith & Myers when everything happened. And yeah, I mean, if I walk it back now, like, I mean, I got out to California around the 15th of January and then I got out to... I'm trying to remember like when we started actually, but long and short of it, we were working on the project, me and Zach. And then uh, remember the day we came in and uh, our producer, Dave Bassett, he had a different look in his eyes and I was like, what's wrong? And he was like, well, they just canceled South by Southwest. And I said, well, that's not good. And, uh, and then it just began, you know, what we're all dealing with and continuing to, to deal with on a daily basis. I mean, obviously we're in a different, um, situation now just in, in general, because it's been about, I guess we're in, I would say we're probably 14, 15 weeks into it. And, um, yeah, the biggest thing that I did was I knew nothing about coronavirus. I didn't know anything about COVID-19 and I'd never even understood what a pandemic is or was. Um, and I had never heard the term social distancing. And so I just began to educate myself as into what we had kind of missed while we were in the studio when all this was beginning, because we weren't really looking at any kind of social media or even on our phones at the time for like two weeks, we were writing music and working on a record. And when we finally came up for air, um, you know, it, uh, it was extremely heavy and the entire world is dealing with it, still dealing with it, but it's, uh, you know, it's time to get on the other side of a lot of things, if you know what I mean. Well, you know, let's go back to the last time you and I talked, because I've been joking since February that WAF going off the air triggered the end of the world, because things have been so crazy since you and I spoke the last day that the radio station was on the air. It's like, we don't even live in the same world that we lived in three months ago it's not the same world at all three months ago I was in a studio in Boston putting down my life's work at a radio station 
and I was talking to you through a microphone and you were literally giving me uh, a counseling session and not just me, but Mike Shue and the entire WAF audience talking about how we needed to look at this as an opportunity and you were excited to see what was going to happen next. And now three months later, you're talking to me from my brand new studio, or I'm talking to you from my brand new studio, which I call MCHQ. Which is awesome. And I spent the last three months, I mean, talk about, um, you know, having to reinvent yourself. You know, you and I have known each other for close to two decades now. And, you know, it... When when your whole world, as you know it, changes the way that mine did with, you know, I was at that radio station. For anybody that's listening that doesn't know what WAF is, it was a 50-year-old legacy rock station in Boston. And I was there and part of it for 29 and on the air for 22 of those years, which is how you and I met. Yep. And then all of a sudden... I'm talking to you and Lejean and Morgan from Seven Dust and Sully from Godsmack. And you guys are talking about all the amazing times that we had together because that was the last day I was going to be on the air at WAF. And then, you know, and and this was before the coronavirus, right? This is my whole life's imploding before the coronavirus. And I'm going, oh, my God, what is going to happen? And as you were talking to me about how one thing ends and another thing begins and to look forward as to, you know, what opportunity could be around the corner for me. You know, I had no idea what was going on. Right. So then I end up going on some job interviews because, you know, some other radio stations had called, which was amazing. Yeah. And, and, you know, I had some great interviews and had some fantastic conversations with some other people. And then the coronavirus hit and the phone stopped ringing. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do now? And I went from that point to now where I've built MCHQ. I started a company. I launched my podcast. Couldn't imagine launching a new podcast and going into this whole new direction of my life and not having you help me kick it all off. So I'm so thankful and grateful that you and I are talking right now because it's like, it feels like somewhat of a warm blanket. I might be sleeping in a new bed, but like the blanket is familiar. That's very sweet of you to say. I, I feel the same way about you. Our, you know, first and foremost, I mean, obviously we've worked together, like you said, for nearly two decades. Um, but I think more than anything, there was always from day one with me and you, um, I think it all came down to the respect that we had for one another. Um, I think that we also looked at a lot of things in the same mindset. You've always, in my opinion, been a very optimistic individual. Um, and I've never seen you as a pessimist in, in any way, shape, or form. I've always seen you as someone that tries to find the solution to a problem. Um, and I think we just, you know, from the moment we met each other, I think we just kind of hit it off because I think we're cut from the same cloth. So um, you're one of the most wonderful people, and, and, and you're a very, very special person in my life. And uh, I meant what I said, though, you know, when we were speaking together three months ago, that, you know, that there would be something extraordinary um, next for you. And I think you are very much so at the beginning of that journey. Um, 
because it's interesting how everybody on the entire planet has been put on the same playing field. And yeah, and and I was joking that, you know, being out of work and being stuck in the house and, you know, social distancing that I had started it before it was cool because I had already been jobless and kind of at home trying to figure out what the hell was going on. Yeah. And then the glo- the global pandemic hit. And then, Brent, now you've spent, you, we, we call you an honorary Bostonian because you guys have come through Boston so many times and you have been so loved in this area for so long. Think about this and what we've gone through, right? So we lose WAF, Okay. And then there's a global pandemic. And then uh, St. Patrick's Day gets canceled in Boston. And um, then on the same day, uh, we find out that Tom Brady is leaving the Patriots. They cancel opening day for the Red Sox, and there's been no baseball at Fenway. And then um, we found out aliens are real. And then that there's evidence of a parallel universe where time goes backwards. And then they cancel the Boston Marathon for the first time in 124 years. And everyone in Boston is just kind of sitting here going, what world are we living in right now? And that's just the perspective of a selfish Bostonian. Then you you pull the lens back and you start looking at the world or the country that we're all living in right now and how difficult things have been and how everyone's lives are so different in such a short amount of time. And what do we do about that? Like, how do we, it's so hard to get through tough times when you're with like-minded, loving people. Right. It's even more difficult when you're forced to go through those things isolated and alone. And you're isolated and alone because it's what's best for the people you love the most. It just, the whole thing, I I swear, like, we're in a simulation, like we're in the Matrix. Did we take the wrong pill and wake up in the wrong place? I think that you have done a very elegant job of putting everything into uh, layman's terms, literally. <laughs> you've kind of con- <laughs> you've condensed it in the best possible way that you could to kind of just go through the absolute chaos and uncertainty and the element of the entire world with, you know, giant capital letters, W-T-F, literally. I forgot to mention the murder hornets. Don't forget about the murder hornets, too. And the cicadas are coming out of the ground. And it's just... So, (sighs) one of the things that, for me personally, looking at all of these elements and taking a moment to step back at all times and look at actually what is going on, I do want to say this. What has not changed for me is something very, very specific when it comes to our society and when it comes to our culture as human beings. And that is human beings. We are at our best when we need one another. And that could not be any more relevant or any more now 
than this moment in time. Everybody that is alive right now is witnessing not only a very historic time in human history, but if you look around, you're also witnessing something extraordinary. Eight weeks ago, we were told longer, actually, more like 14 weeks, I guess, at this point. You said three months. You're, you're yeah, about right there, three months ago. February 21st was the last day WAF was on the air. So, you know, I kind of go back to that moment as as like the the line in the sand for right. me. You so know? if you walk it. The coronavirus was around, but it wasn't a factor for us at that moment. You know? So if you walk it back three months ago, everybody was told to, we're going to need you to go inside and stay away from one another. Now, if you go back and you look at some of that early footage from three months ago, the way that things were being talked about, how it was being talked about, I mean, even down to Dr. Fauci, where he was saying point blank, like, this isn't something that America needs to worry about. This is not going to be a big deal. Like, we just we need you to stay inside for a minute here. Um, and it would just would let us just get it under control. And then it's just weeks kept going and kept going and it got worse and worse and worse and worse. And to the point of where you're looking at a narrative and then all of a sudden what I noticed was media had drastically from the left and from the right. And in all honesty, some of the neutral side of media Every day was doomsday, and every day, life is over. It's never going to be the same. You're never going to shake hands again. You're never going to be able to give anybody a hug. This, this virus is going to destroy the world. And I was in awe of just the absolute fear-mongering and the clickbait that just kept continuously happening. Now, granted, listen. I'm not taking anything away from the fact that 5.6 million people as of right now have there have been cases across the planet. There is close to 380,000 deaths globally, but there is 2.6 million recoveries. I've always found it interesting in these last three months that the recovery rate was never, ever mentioned. Literally, you had to hunt for it. And inside of that, too, there's been no plan. Like, really, it's just everyone's been inside. And you've not told them really at all, especially in America, when they're really going to be able to go back to being around one another. So now you're going into these different phases. And by the way, being in California was extremely eye-opening for me because California has about 39 million people. It's a dense state, a lot of people. The governor and the mayor of Los Angeles, I honestly believe they have done and honestly are doing a very good job at handling this. The last thing that they want is to have to release people back to being around one another again, only to, as the fall arrives and winter starts to come, if it gets worse, have to put them back inside. But I'm telling you right now, you can't go back inside. 
because there is more evidence there is more development coming out about this virus that people not only in america but around the globe they need to understand what scientists and doctors are learning on a daily basis about this virus because it is essentially SARS. COVID-19 just means that it was discovered in 2019. The coronavirus simply means crown virus. It is SARS. It is SARS part two. Well, guess what? There's going to be a part three. There'll probably be a part four and so on and so forth. Okay, you cannot have an entire society stay inside. It's impossible. They're saying now that that there's a third of Americans are suffering from depression and anxiety right now. Well, let me put it to you like this. Uh, This is very sobering what I'm going to say. And these aren't made up numbers. These are real numbers. Um, It took a virus. Well, let me backtrack real fast from 2009 to 2019. It took 10 years to create 22, roughly 24 million jobs. It took a virus six and a half weeks to put 40 million people on unemployment in the United States of America. Granted, now also, if you go to present day, I find it very interesting today that all of the stock markets are starting to talk about the new generation of 5G and talking about how in the next year leading into 2021, this new development of this new AI and these different companies that are going to be coming in to the fold where, and when you hear the words or the letters AI, you should have cause for concern. Because AI means... We've all seen the movies. We know what happens. Well, and the, the interesting thing about that is AI is simply put, artificial intelligence. So if, if people think that the vast majority of the world can take three months of civilization and program people to be afraid and program people to never want to touch each other again or hug each other again. I honestly think that, and I'm going to say something right now. Oh boy, here we go. Let me get ready. Two weeks ago, I said to everybody in my band, I have a really, really bad feeling. And they were like, you mean worse than yesterday? It's been the same. It's, you know, it's every day is the same story. It's freaking Groundhog Day. I'm like, no, I'm not talking about the virus. I'm talking about something else. And they're like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, I just feel anarchy is on the horizon because you can only ask a population to stay inside for so long. You have completely deconstructed the economics of everything in this country, and not just here, but other countries. You can't sustain it. And I'm still in some form of a dream in my own mind as to what the last seven days has been like, because 
it is massively upsetting what has happened in our country. But inside of that, the people, the people are the ones that are making the most sense. It's not our leaders, our, our, which I should say our lack of leadership, our lack of any kind of real planning. You have all of these individuals. Some of them are good, okay? In Washington, I do believe that. But the fact of the matter is, right now, you are witnessing people from all over the world showing government showing people that are quote unquote in power, you don't get to tell us how to act because you're not benefiting anyone right now. You are becoming part of the problem and the separation and the divide between us. And what I am watching is citizens coming together peacefully, but assertively making the point of this has got to change. And you went from three months of putting an entire society into their homes. Go in, go in your house and stay in your house. Don't leave. Okay? How long do you think that's going to last? And now, and I wish, I so very much wish it did not have to be what happened to George Floyd that has brought this rising up, if you will, of all of the people, not only in the United States, but all around the world, to make the boldest statement in the world, which is we are all equal. We are all human beings from all walks of life. And we want to work with each other. And we want to be around each other. And we want to motivate each other. And we want to be inspired by each other. We do not want this divide that you in government or whatever your agenda is, whatever that is, isn't working for us either. In the United States, the Constitution on the front page, it's the biggest lettering on that page. It says, we the people. And three months ago, when all this started, walk it back seven days ago, and everybody was inside. And now... There are there is no more social distancing because people have decided to take action. People have decided to move forward into our future together. So I think more than anything, what we are all witnessing, and I do firmly believe this, you are witnessing love destroy any kind of hatred. You are witnessing love. No matter how long it takes, you're never going to outwork love. It's never going to happen. Because most of the world, inherently, I believe this, we want to see each other succeed. And we want to be there for each other. And if we have to make the statement, and it needs to be bold and real and very much now, you are witnessing one of the greatest moments in human history. And I firmly believe that we are all going to be able to safely be with, be with each other again 
But we got to start seriously listening to one another and talking to each other and letting the other person speak and then having a rebuttal and coming forward with compromise. This divide has got to stop. And what you're witnessing right now is the world and its people making that bold statement unified. With everything that's gone on, it it was one of those things where, you know, I, I'm so used to having an extra social life because of the nature of my job and all of that. And it's been very hard for me to be isolated in my house, you know, and, and then, you know, you talk about the news and it all being so negative and, you know, all I could really do. I mean, at one point, I remember one day I had nine hours of screen time on my cell phone and I was like, what is going on? Like, there's nothing else to do. And I see you guys tweeting about Atlas Falls, right? Yep. And I'm like, they they released the song. I'm like, wait a minute. The last time I talked to Brent, they didn't tell me they were, you know, that they were going to work on a new song or whatever. And then I'm reading that this was a leftover. And I'm like, was there some kind of weird premonition? Because the lyrics in the song sounds like it was written for this moment in time and it wasn't. So I don't understand how that song has been around for as long as since the Amaryllis sessions yeah. and what, what it's been doing. Because when I heard it for the first time, I was like, leave it to the guys from Shinedown to, to put out a song that is so filled with love and hope and optimism in this awful, horrendous time. And then I'm like, wait a minute, they didn't even write it now. It was like a premonition for you guys. Like, I don't understand. Are you a psychic? What is going on in your brain? I've known you a long time. I don't understand how it works. So the song was during the writing uh, cycle um, when we were working on the Amaryllis record and Anyone that knows us, especially someone like yourself, because you do know us very well, um, we tend to write a lot of songs when we're making an album. And we don't really demo anymore. Um, we try to, when the song is written, we pretty much try to get it in a record form. Um, for whatever reason, with Amaryllis, I don't actually remember exactly why Atlas did not make the cut on that album, I just remember that I was upset about the fact that it didn't make the cut. And because I always had a kinship to that song. And, but, you know, going back three months ago, you know, when it was that first weekend when we were all told as a, as, you know, as a country, as a, as a world, basically, um, we just want you to stay in and we're not asking you to go to war. We're just asking you to, you know, binge watch Netflix for a couple of weeks. That lasted for me about maybe, I don't know, five minutes. Um, so you got through Tiger King and were disgusted with the whole freaking system? Well, what I did was this. I watched the first episode of Tiger King, and then I watched the last episode. And then I was like, I got you it. You didn't miss anything in between. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I got it. I've got to figure out what the heck. I'm going to do about this situation that we're in because I'm just, I'm wired that way. Like I just did not know anything about what was going on. So I got on the internet and I started to dig 
And I started to try to educate myself as as about, you know, as much as I possibly could about pandemics, about, you know, viruses, about what SARS is, about like, you know, what does social distancing mean? What's a pandemic? Which I found out that basically a pandemic is an epidemic with a passport. So, um, <laughs> so, you know, oddly enough, too, you know, over the years, we've worked for, you know, in this industry for a, a, quite a number of years. And we've been very fortunate to befriend a lot of people in the medical community and in the scientific community. One of my dear friends um, who's a medical doctor, he's an orthopedic surgeon in Kansas City. He said something to me that really I, I kind of kept it with me this entire time, too. He said, Brent, all pandemics have one thing in common. And I said, well, what's that? And he said, um, they all ended. And I was like, okay. And that kind of kick-started me a little bit. So as I'm going through everything, I came across this organization called Direct Release, and I had never heard of them before. And me and you have known each other a long time, and me and you have worked on a multitude of different charity events and awareness groups and all of that from you know, the Red Cross, to the Salvation Army, to United Way, to St. Jude's, to D.C. Strong. We work with a lot of different uh, corporations and different, you know, organizations for charity and the benefit of, uh, you know, human kindness and just being there for people. I had never heard of Direct Relief, but as I start to study who they are, finding out that they've been around since 1948, they're based in Santa Barbara, California. They work with all 50 states and they work with over 100 countries. Their sole mission, because they are not biased, they are not political, um, their sole mission is to make sure that the men and the women in the medical community and the scientific community, that they have all the resources and the tools that they need in order to save as many lives as possible on the ground during times of crisis, whether it's poverty, whether it's a natural disaster, whether it's a pandemic, this, th this organization, they are the Calvary. And, um, another thing about them was that. I wanted to talk to somebody actually at the organization. So we were able to reach out to them because we wanted to partner with them. And this is where Atlas comes into the picture. Um, we finally were engaged with a gentleman uh, at uh, Direct Relief named Samir. And I told him what we wanted to do and how we wanted to do it to bring awareness to not only Direct Relief, but to try to raise as much money as we possibly could. So, I thought as I was researching and finding out who Direct Relief was, Atlas came to the forefront of my thoughts. And I remembered the kinship of the song because the song is the song is a question more than anything. Uh, Atlas was the god of endurance. And this is Greek mythology, um, basically kind of a rambunctious teenager and picked a fight with his older brothers, which were the Titans. He lost. So as a show of uh, Zeus basically wanted to teach Atlas something because of this. He said, you need to be selfless. I need to teach you how to not be selfish. So I'm going to place the weight of the world on your shoulders. And if you don't know who Atlas is, um, if you've seen the pictures of kind of the Roman god with the spear holding on his shoulders, the spear represents the, the world. And... So my question inside of that when we wrote the song was, well, what would happen if Atlas fell? What happens if Atlas falls? Who helps Atlas? Well, we have to help Atlas as a as a as a as people, as human beings, as culture, as society. We have to be there for when we need each other. And that's where the song came from and the idea of the song. So we created a T-shirt. 
with Atlas. Um, we made sure that everybody at Direct Release knew that 100% of the proceeds were going to be going to their organization from the shirt. And at the time when we released it, if you buy the shirt, you would get Atlas Falls as a thank you. And the shirt is $50 at the time. We've reduced it down to 30 now. But at the time, $50 is a lot of money. And it costs $5 to make the shirt, but the rest of the proceeds go to direct relief. And for that shirt, all of the proceeds will forever go to direct relief from that specific shirt, no matter what. We're, we're getting close to the $400,000 mark um, that we've raised uh, for them. That's all Shine Down Nation and word of mouth and just really bringing out um, how important this company is and this organization is. And here's the other thing too. Like if you're curious and you're interested, you can go to shinedown.com. You can find the Atlas Falls link, hit it. You can donate and buy the shirt and donate to Direct Relief that way. Or you can just go to directrelief.org and donate to them. You know, you don't have to have $50 or $30 got five dollars if you've got ten dollars you know that's fine or if you just want some information about how important this organization is i urge you to go to directrelief.org they're one of the few organizations also that give you a running clock and a running tally on their front page of their website of how much ppe they've actually gotten out to everybody, um, how many, you know, down to every single thing from the boxes that are filled with sanitizers, with cotton swabs, with, you know, gloves, masks. Um, I mean, just everything that they do, they give you an account of everything so you can see it in real time. It's one of the only organizations I've ever seen, I've ever seen do something like that. Like they put it all in front of you. So you know where your money is going. Um, and they're just very, very important. Um, and Atlas kind of took off with this. Um, but the other reason for putting Atlas out there is we wanted to put something out that showed optimism because it just seemed like everything was doom and everything was just negative. And I was like, do not bow down to this. You know, like we need to understand it. It's new. We understand that as well. We're learning about it day by day, but don't allow it to to have control you have to be able we have to as a people as a culture as a society we have to work together in order to get through this and be prepared for what potentially could be another pandemic as long as we have the resources and the knowledge and the understanding we can stop future pandemics we have to work together but the song was always meant to put something out there that was a beacon of hope and solidarity and a reflection of the human spirit. I just thought it was so poignant and, you know, such a beautiful song. And it didn't surprise me at all that you guys were one of the first artists that I had seen that was, that was jumping in to try to help because that's how you guys are. And, you know, it, I was kind of trying to figure it out myself again you know, you're isolated. For me, I always had a job that we joked would, would, you know, consider me essential. If there was a blizzard, you know, the, the marathon bombing, 9-11, I was always in the studio. Right. When you work in media, it's like you go to work, that's what you do. Right. And when, now, for the first time in my entire adult life, I don't have a job, which, you know, mentally for me, I, I just, I don't even know how to wrap my brain around that. And then to have something so massive be going on 
not only just in my immediate community, but nationwide and to feel helpless that you could do anything about it. And, you know, it's like you record Atlas during the Amaryllis sessions and then it just kind of sits there and waits for that, the right moment, you know? And like for me, I guess it's like a happy accident, you know? Like I had some friends and uh, people that I worked with at the radio station that were like, you know, you've been kind of quiet on social media, you know, since the station went out. You should, you know, maybe you should just go on like Facebook Live or something and just kind of let everybody know kind of how you're doing, you know? And so I started doing that on March 14th. And it was just like a 15 minute, hey guys, I just want to let you know, you know, things are okay and I'm doing all right and whatever. And then I was like, all right, I'll come back tomorrow. And then it, I'll come back tomorrow. And it turned into this new show that I do called Cocktails in the War Room. And I have a room in my house. You know, you know all of the military stuff I've done over the years. Yes, I do. That I call the War Room, and it's where the bar is, right? So every night I started um, getting a drink and sitting down and just, I had no one else to talk to. So I just started talking to everybody on Facebook. And we did 81 shows in a row. I love you. I love the fact that you, I, that's what makes you who you are. I, you, you know what you are? You're necessary. I, I freaking love you. <laughs> so we did 81 nights of cocktails in the war room. And then as I'm just talking to people, right? You know, I mean, you and I both could talk the ass end off a of rhino. And so then I was like, okay, well, then how can we help if we're going to do this? So a friend of mine designed artwork for a t-shirt and it's cocktails in the war room and it's got a martini glass with a hand grenade in it instead of an olive. And I was like, okay, well, I want to find an organization that's doing great things. And I found this organization that was, that was funding a program called Food for Vets. Yep that was taking care of um, veterans who were older, immunocompromised, and were in need of food assistance. And they set up food distribution centers to help during the pandemic. And so we started selling the t-shirts to raise money for this organization. And we sold, you know, almost 800 shirts that raised over $5,000 to help feed older and immunocompromised veterans during the coronavirus. And it just, and I'm laughing the whole time because I'm like, you know, there's just another parallel between how I'm handling a situation and how you and Shinedown are handling a situation. And it's like, are you sure we're not related in some way, shape or form? I'm sure that we're somewhere in the cosmos. We're connected. I, I, I would believe that. Were we like besties in another life or a parallel universe or are we both aliens from another planet that came here together? Because all of these statements sounded ridiculous three months ago and now it's like, oh, maybe we were aliens together. Hey, you know what? I'll be an alien with you anytime. (laughs) You know what people have asked me? So it's really weird because, you know, when I'm in the war room, it's all live. And so I'm getting instant feedback and questions. You know how many people have asked if you and I have ever dated? And it makes me laugh because it's like, wow. They're like, you and Brent, there's so much love there. Are you sure you guys never dated? You guys would make such a cute couple. And I had to explain to everybody like, you know, we're, we're, it's like family, but 
you did promise to take me as your date to the Grammys. So as soon as so I get that- nominated, it's me and you, babe. Uh, like it's, 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 it's that, that's not a question that that like that is that's happening. So I just got to, you know, just got to get nominated and then, you know, we're there. Maybe Atlas Falls will be the one that does it. You never, you never know. know. Now, and the interesting thing about, you know, with Atlas, you know, just to the point of the song, because um, I have been asked about, you know, because it is so much about it has a reflection of as to what's going on. But, uh, you know. The song that you hear today was the same song that it was eight years ago. Somebody asked me uh, like a little while ago, they were like, well, you know, how did you get into the studio to kind of redo the mix and, you know, make it sound more like 2020? And, you know, did you change some of the wording because of everything that was going on? And I was like, no, the song you hear today is the same song it was eight years ago. So it was I I knew the song would see the light of day. I didn't realize it was going to be to this magnitude. But I'm I'm very, very proud that the song is giving people something that we all need a lot of right now. And that's, it's, I feel like it's giving people their confidence back. If that makes any sense. It just, you know what it is? It's, it's a hug. It, the song feels like Shinedown is giving you a much needed hug. It really is. And I hate to sound, you know, cheesy or whatever. I love that but, analogy. That's you know, not cheesy. I love that you would say but something that's like what that. It, that's what it feels like, though, because it's like, you know, I understand like the isolation. I've learned a lot about myself and how I handle things because I've spent more time alone in the last three months and and so much time reflecting on myself and what I want and where I want to go because I was forced even before the virus to really you know, it's like someone picked up my Etch-A-Sketch and I had been working on that drawing for decades and they just shook it and put it back down and walked away. And I was like, I don't know how to handle what the hell is going on right now. And then, you know, the virus and, you know, George Floyd and all of these massive world community questions and, and the the philosophy of our whole existence now is just changing. And it's like, I've learned so much about myself, just spending this much time by myself and going, okay, you know, as much as my temper has fueled so much of my life and my attitude, I really have learned that I am uh, that positive person that you described me as being like this instance is what it took for me to accept that about myself. Well, it's really weird. It's something I've known about you, you know, from the the moment I met you. And I mean, overall, I remember what I tried to do at the beginning of everything, uh, you know, going back three months ago and, you know, what I've tried to do, you know, last month or, you know, eight weeks ago or, or what have you is to understand that, as simple as this statement I'm going to make is, it really is the truth. And everything happens for a reason. And there's been a lot of, you know, the moral compass has been brought to the forefront with a lot of people. Because especially with COVID-19, you know, you have the, the type of people that are like, you know, we just need to get back out there. Like, you know, life and death are two things that are part of each other. It's like a marriage. And, you know, they, there's a way they conduct themselves in a certain way, but they're not being sensitive to the fact that maybe you don't know somebody that 
has experienced this or maybe you know you didn't get it yourself or maybe you didn't lose a loved one and when you talk to people because this is something that i've had to do to really understand it also because i've been on that side also where i'm just like this is like just get back out there like this is ridiculous and then um a friend of mine lost his dad to it and his father fought for 37 days and i see you and when you know someone that loses a family member to it, it does change. It really does. And we've known a couple of people. And you don't even. I'm sorry, what's that? Go ahead. No, I was just saying, like, you know, and we've known some other people, too, that have gotten it. But they thank God they've recovered from it. And some of them, it's, uh, you know, it was about, you know, it, it was a bad cold. Those were the symptoms. And then a couple of friends of mine that had gotten it, you know, it knocked them on their ass for two weeks, you know, but they. Well, that's the thing about the recovery thing is that, you know, just because you recover doesn't mean you didn't get your ass kicked and come close to death. Yeah, it's it, like you it, recovered, it does, but for whatever reason, it kind of the interesting thing about the uh, pathology of it is it, it literally like you talk about something that doesn't care who you are, where you're from, what your age is, any of that. It just it kind of uh, everybody has a different symptom. Everybody. Some people have to be hospitalized. Some people have it and they go through it. And they don't even they didn't even know they had it. It wasn't until they were tested for antibodies or they they got tested because they were an essential worker or certain things like that. And then this was one of those things where it's like every day you go to work, you have to get tested real quick. And all of a sudden, you know, they feel right as rain. They go in to go to work. They get the test and it goes, oh, oh, no, you're positive. You know, and they're like, what? You know, and it's it's a very. And you're quarantined now. Yeah. And the, the dynamic of that, though, what I was getting at was the fact that there is this there is a respect and there is a way to be thoughtful with the precautions that have been brought forth to us as to what this is and how we need to handle it and how we need to handle it very seriously. But it was interesting to me that in the last week now that the media which every single day it's the same story and there was no upside and now because of what has transpired in the united states and is reaching all over the world there are there are other countries protesting in solidarity and out of respect for George Floyd and this movement in, I think it, the last number was like 63 countries, you know, that are supporting this change and these efforts. And uh, all of a sudden the media, when they're talking about coronavirus, because it's not the number one story now, it's, Hey, we may have a vaccine by October. Hey, we've found out that it's not, you can't get it from surfaces. Hey, you, uh, you can't get it from a doorknob. You can't get it from a shelf. And then all of a sudden it's like, it can't live in 80 degrees. And all of a sudden there's, do you know how many people have recovered from coronavirus? It's just to see the narrative change on a dime. It proves that media is, you know, look, 
media, you have freedom of speech for a reason in the U.S. We also have freedom of the press for a reason. Freedom of the press was put in to keep people honest, to keep people accountable for who was doing what in government and as we were appointing people into office and or any of those constituents and what have you, the media was there to make sure the truth was told. And somewhere along the line, it has been smeared and it now has become clickbait to where only negative news is what sells. I'm going to go ahead and say this to the news outlets and they know who they are. You need to start telling the truth. You need to start telling the truth. Well, we live in a world now where, you know, it, it's like the truth could be whatever camera angle you were looking at or, you know, it's it's so strange with all of the technology we have that it should be easier to know what's real and what's not. And it's it's almost made it more difficult in a way. And people are starting to demand because they're really seeing like, oh, wait. These bots on Twitter are just trying to make us hate each other. Oh, wait, this camera angle came out that shows that it's a completely different thing. And well, you've got a super, I think you're right when you you've got a super information highway. The problem is that over half, maybe not over half, half of the information is made up. And when you have people that have a platform with social media, it can be used as a massively, it can be used as a tool for good, and it can be awesome. It can also be devastating, and it can be destructive, because when you give everybody a complete platform to just talk about anything and everything, it's too many opinions. But once again, freedom of speech freedom of the press. People have to make a decision on what they believe and what they don't believe in their life, but they shouldn't have to do that from the news outlets in their own countries and the world news on top of that. If that news that you are making up and you are not telling the truth, you are affecting lives and you could potentially kill people. So I don't think I don't know if the media has forgotten that the actually established media. Tell the truth. Period. It it's like they don't realize that they're the ones holding that, you know, the world up. It's like they don't even realize the responsibility that they have and how how it could all go so wrong so fast, you know. And they also have the power to make it to make it right, though. You know what I mean? That's the that's the thing that yeah. has to be. And look, doing the right thing. I'm going to say something now, and you've known me a long time, and I'm not trying to be cheeky here. Some people might think that saying, telling the truth, or doing the right thing isn't sexy. Okay. Well, I'm, oh come on, honey, you will always be sexy. <laughs> but you know, it's uh, it's not about being sexy. It's about being decent. And it's about and yeah it's, empathy. Yeah, it's about having a moral compass. Yep. You know, and I know. I, but I, I will, I will leave it with this too. You know, 
You are one of the reasons in my life that I know for a fact that human beings, we are inherently good and we are at our best when we need one another. And that is 100% the truth. Well, you know I'm always here for you, baby. I'm sitting right here in MCHQ. I love the fact that you're, you know where you're I'm at. I just love hearing your voice because you got the best voice in the world. <laughs> oh, thank you. It, uh, it's been really interesting. You, you know, I got to bring this up because there's something else you and I have done in the last three months that's been the same. Uh, we both were guests on Sully Erna's Hometown Sessions show, yeah. right? And this was one of the most profound moments of my life. So I'm texting with Sully after that happened because I was asking him about helping with the intro for my new podcast. And he, uh, he gifted me with some music. I have a theme song now and he was working on that for me and he's like, Oh yeah, it's amazing. He calls it war drums and he recorded it in 100.73 beats a minute in tribute to WAF's frequency. And I just, I wanted to have an intro song, man. Like I wanted to, you know, like a wrestler or something. As like I should. wanted my new show to have an intro song. So I'm talking to Sully about all this stuff. And he's talking about how busy he is. And, and you're going to laugh when I say this, but I felt so justified. And I felt so great when he said it. He goes... You know, the show that I'm doing, it's so much work. It's like I don't have time to do anything anymore, and I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to be a talk show host because it's so much work. And I just started laughing because I was like, all those years, Sully, all the interviews you've done with me and every other radio and TV person and journalist and whatever, and I just put my hands up in victory and was like, you're finally acknowledging that it's an actual job and that it's hard work. <laughs> yes. Yes. If you get that guy to acknowledge it, you are you are on to something. <laughs> right? No, I love that dude. I was like, I've known oh that my guy. God. I've known that guy for a long, long time. I know you've known him longer, but uh, yeah, he's salt of the earth. He's a good dude. You guys were talking about touring together again. How much do you miss being on stage? How much do you miss the fans? I miss it terribly. You know, it's, uh, but here's the thing, um, you know, look, we, one of the reasons why we finally made a decision for the year to go ahead and cancel, uh, the deep dive tour, um, was because we didn't want to keep postponing it. And, you know, all the VIP packages had been sold out and all the shows except for one was clean, you know, and, uh, and there were, uh, we, we've already started to postpone or not postpone but we're starting to reschedule the festival dates for next year and just so people know just you know from from me to you i'm working diligently with not only live nation frank's production aeg live multiple other promoters um and you know from an international side as well there there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes right now to get this infrastructure ready to go in 2021 i promise you that we are believe me there's a lot of people working on it right now but you know like with us and you know this was a creative year for us like we knew that we have the attention attention film that's getting ready to be announced and it's going to be released we have the new smith and myers that's getting ready to come out i leave july 1st to head to charleston with the rest of the guys at eric's studio that he's just uh 
pretty much he's almost there in regards to finishing it out but we get we're getting ready to start shine down seven and writing that um so there's a lot going on right now but just with us we just didn't want to keep postponing those shows and it's a lot of money so you know everybody we were like listen we want to give you the money back because it's not right to continuously just keep postponing these things and we're starting to put things together for 2021 but in answer to your question i i miss it very much you know um but you know what we have been given a situation and we got to learn from it because we got to be smarter and we've got to understand why um, this happened and really know why, why this happened. Um, cause I think it's pretty obvious that not only the U S but a lot of places we were unprepared. Um, this is an historic moment in time for the human species and for everybody on this planet. You know, I look at mother nature and I remember what my, my mom always used to tell me, which was, you know, look, mother nature, she's undefeated. You're never going to win whenever she decides to do what she's going to do. That's the way that it is. And this was a lot of way in a lot of ways. This was her, I think, you know, making a statement to our our culture and our society of, hey, look, you're trying to kill me. So I'm going to need to put you in your room for a minute so I can clean myself up because an ecosystem. I have learned more about the environmental just what these last three months have done to the planet and how fast, how fast an ecosystem can heal itself. And the pictures with the no smog and stuff are unbelievable. It's, in, it's, 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 it's unreal. Yeah. The fourth, the fourth week into the pandemic, the, the LA times, the front page of the LA times was the air quality in Los Angeles County has not been this clean since 1953. And I mean, those types of things, you can't ignore that. I mean, this is another thing, too. There are certain species of different animals and what have you that people haven't seen in years that they thought they were extinct. And they're coming out. When the announcement came that the largest hole in the ozone layer had closed, I felt so much weight off my shoulders that all of those big hair years with the Aquanet in the 80s, that all the damage I had done had had been erased. And I felt for me, with that giant hair I had in 1989... That I felt so much better that at least the world had recovered from that era of hairstyles. Hey, listen, you know, it, 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 just, it just took a <laughs> global pandemic, but hey. Yeah. <laughs> hey, speaking of hair, when you see Eric in July, can you please tell him that his morning hair when he has coffee on Instagram is something that should be celebrated because he has got some crazy ass hair. He loves those morning, the, like that's his thing now. Like he, he, he feels that his hair is a statement of his individuality. And I say, <laughs> you just look like a new school Albert Einstein, bro. <laughs> and he's like, I'll take that. <laughs> Is this the longest you guys have been apart? Like from physically being in the same room? Yeah. 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 It's been, uh, it's been interesting. I, I see everybody uh, coming June 1st. Um, like I've only been out of California for five days now. I was there from January 15th, the beginning of the year. And I just left uh, five days ago. And um, I'm so glad that you got to, you know, finally spend some time with your family because that's a long time to be isolated way, in California yeah, way, by yourself. Long, long time. 
And uh, the reason I was there was obviously because of, you know, when the, when everything stopped and they, you know, everyone was like, you need to shelter in one place. I didn't know what was going on. So not to mention the producer of the Smith and Myers album, we had three songs left. I had three songs left to sing. And cause it's a 20 song, it's a double record. And I needed to wait on him to get back, but he had taken his family to Hawaii at the beginning oh. of this. Um, cause he has, real estate down there and they were only supposed to go real quick like five days and they were coming right back and they wouldn't let him off the island so he didn't return to california for 10 weeks yeah oh my so god I, well i mean if you're I gonna just, get stuck someplace might as well get stuck in hawaii i guess uh, yeah. so i just got busy you know just i just got busy educating myself and doing what i could you know it was a it was definitely an eye-opening experience i'll tell you that I discovered um, I have this insatiable appetite for sour cream and onion Pringles. It Like, I never even ate them before, and for some reason the coronavirus makes me crave sour cream and onion Pringles. It's, it's like the most ridiculous. People are now, you know, people that join me in the war room have been sending me care packages of Pringles because I love them all of a sudden so much. It's the most ridiculous thing, and then I'll be eating Pringles. There's nothing better than being... Uh, in your house, on your couch with a pug on your lap, eating Pringles, going on Instagram, watching you all sweaty from a workout. And I'm like, how's that workout, Brent? Crunch, 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 Pringle. Crunch, 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 Pringle. So I had to keep it, you, you know, I'm trying to keep it tight, man. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I didn't want three months later, man, I come up out of it and be like 50 pounds heavier. I was like, oh Lord, you know, I, I, I had know. to stay on it. I, well, we, I, I'm so grateful that you took so much time to hang out with me on my brand new podcast. I, I love you. I'll, I'll hang out every week if you want. Okay. I mean, we could do, I, you but know I what mean, I want I you to do? I, I want you to come rather in. just get in front of you. I'm looking forward to actually being able to give you a hug and see you, but I'm, you know, you can call I me know. at any time, but I look forward to the very, very near, not distant, but very near future of being able to, you know, give you a big giant hug. Well, the beauty of this newfound freedom that I have is that, you know, I, I built my studio and my company and the podcast and everything so that I have all of the freedom to do exactly what I want whenever I want, but I'm still doing what I loved, which is to hold the New England rock community together, to open it up to everybody around the world that wants to come into it and still be able to introduce people to new bands I think they're going to love, keep them in touch with bands like you that we already know they love, and to be able to still talk about all of the things that I always used to be able to do on my show, but now I can say fuck, which I could never say before. It's unbelievable. People are like, oh my God, it's so weird hearing you say the F word. Like we're on the radio for so long. It is. It is. But then also, I can pick it up and take it with me. So, like, I can come visit you and I can go and do, and it's not vacation time. It's like, oh no, I'm just going to go down there and, you know, interview the band wherever I feel like coming to see you. And it's like, I'm really trying to look at it as this amazing new opportunity to be able to continue to do what I love, but in a new, fresh, and different, more adventurous way. Hey, listen, I think it's spectacular. I think that if anyone uh, has the skill set to do what you're doing right now, it definitely is you because you have the background. And now that's it's very empowering that you're your own boss, too. 
if you really, really think about it. And you have a built-in fan base, not only in America, but globally. And I know that's true. And uh, use it, girl. Use your platform. You know, go for it. You know, I look forward to, you know, a year from now when you have, you know, 20 million subscribers. So get to work, girl. Well, I mean, you know, if you got to subscribe to the podcast, I'm going to call in those favors. I am going to shamelessly call in the, hey, Brent, will you help me get people to know the podcast is out there favor? You don't have to ask me. I'm I'm on it, girl. And and, and all of my friends, too. I will spread the word of you uh, in any way possible and any shape and form, whatever we can do to give you support and let people know what you're doing. We are happy to do that. I just don't want this amazing community that you've been such a huge part of for all of these years to go away because the radio station that kind of was its anchor is now gone. It's like, okay, well, if we don't have the radio station to be the anchor, well, then, damn it, then I'm going to do it then because we're such an amazing community. And, you know, this region has always been such a hungry, loyal place for rock music and i mean you know you talk funny and we still love you anyway Absolutely. i mean you know <laughs> i'll say this right now too i did so, a bunch of uh i was doing i i did a uh i had to do a zoom well i was privileged enough to do a zoom meeting uh or interview this morning with one of the biggest promoters in singapore and talking to her and also you know a lot of different international uh interviews that i've been doing but you know i did probably seven different Australia um, podcasts that will be coming out. Um, One's already come out. I think a couple more are coming out in the next couple of weeks. But one of those individuals um, that I was speaking to is mind blowing that like his podcast, he just started in his basement basically at the end of the night, like, you know, after he put his kids down and stuff like that, he would just kind of, you know, go into his man cave. And this started like, you know, four or five years ago. Um, And, there was something about him that people, it was kind of like pirate radio in a way, but it's satellites on, you know, and people just liked what he talked about. And then all of a sudden people actually started to call and record labels and some other management started calling and like, Hey, would you do an interview at this band? Do an interview at this band. And like five years later now, I got to get all of the, the specs on it, but uh, there's a reason I'm bringing it up like five years, man. And the guy's got like 10, 15 million subscribers, you know, and he just started it in his basement. It is amazing that technology has kind of leveled the playing field. You know, you go back and talk about the media like you were. It's like, well, now the people are becoming the media and the people are finding ways to to do it on their own. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, if the big companies don't want to, you know, keep rock stations around like the one that I was blessed to be part of for so many years, then we'll just make our own clubhouse and our own place where we're going to hang out. And that's kind of what I'm doing now. And it's, it's, it's so empowering and so exciting and it's scary as shit at the same time. It's like, I could totally fall on my face or it could be awesome. And I don't know which one it's going to be yet, but we're figuring it out. I'll tell you what, if it was easy, everybody would do it. That's why you're doing it. I know. I know. I'm going to hold it all together and, uh, and, you know, to have support, you know, from artists that I've known for so long, like you guys, it just, it means a lot. And, and the last few months, not only of, you know, kind of going through the, the, the morning process of the radio station that I loved and grew up listening to even before I worked there, like it really is like a death of a friend that you keep expecting to call and they just don't. And it's, 
And then to have everything else in the world happen, it's like, you know, I've just become so self-aware and how important community is and how important we all are for each other. And, you know, to, to have those experiences and to be at shows together and experiencing music together and, you know, we just need it now more than ever. I guarantee you, know? you and, and to, to everybody out there, um, live shows, they're not that far off. Are they going to happen this year? I don't have 100% on that, but I can tell everybody this, and this is, this is fact. Everybody in the touring industry, everybody in the sports arena, stadium, all competitive sports, Broadway, theater, amphitheaters, arenas, the arts, and just mass gatherings and people being there with each other. The people that work behind the scenes, and I'm working with a lot of them right now, and I'm not the only one. There's a lot of different people. We are doing everything in our power to ensure that live entertainment and live shows and competition is going to return in 2021. Will it look a little different? Possibly, yes. But, you know, the reality is that finding the good in the words new normal is not a bad thing. You know, holding certain companies and holding certain venues to a better sanitation standard and making sure that people, you know, aren't walking into a giant petri dish and keeping these venues clean and making it sanitary and making sure that, you know, there's there's requirements that, hey, this is the changing of the guard. We have to start looking at these factors way more so that we can keep everybody healthy and clean and everybody can enjoy being around each other. We're going to build an immunity to this virus. It's going to happen. Um, I know everybody is concerned that it's, you know, that live entertainment is going to be way too strange or competitive sports are going to be different. They will be different, but us being around one another, us being able to be next to each other, that is going to happen again, 100%, because that's who we are. And we need that. We need that communication. If certain people don't want to do it and they feel like they could be compromised or they just they don't feel safe or or what have you, we totally understand that. Um, but, you know, people still need to also have the right and the option that if they want to go, then they they should be able to go. So we're going to do everything in our power to, to try and, and make both sides happy. Obviously, the number one priority is everyone's not only their physical health, but just their mental health as well with all of this. Uh, so, you know, just again, like I, I want people to get their confidence back. And a lot of that is you have to have confidence in us and how we're going to present ourselves. And uh, we're going to do everything in Shine Down and everything at Atlantic Records and Indigo and the Warner Music Group. We're, we're working really hard with Live Nation and a lot of other promoters and AEG and so on and so forth. We're, we're working really, really hard right now to return live entertainment and sporting and all of that in 2021. Well, I can't wait to see you guys back out on the road. And now that I'm in control of my own schedule, when you guys are all finally getting back together as a band and you want some company, just let me know. Cause I ain't got no job and I ain't got shit to do. Brent. Okay, I'm down girl. <laughs> I listen. I love Thank you, you girl. So, with all my heart. I love you too. Thank you so much for 
helping me kick off the podcast in style and, you know, for once again, being such a positive voice and so much chaos and uncertainty and, you know, just the, the music and, and the charitable efforts and all of that, that you guys have always been a part of. It just is so needed right now and is a definite breath of fresh air and, and, you know, for me, especially just going through everything else that I was going through with the radio station being gone and whatever, just having you guys there for me has meant the world. So thank you so much. And I can't wait to see you. Well, it's family. It's always going to be family. Keep your head up, girl. We're going to get through all of this and we're going to be stronger for it. I love you. I love you too, honey. All right. Talk to you soon. Well, there we go. That's how we do it. Episode one of the Mistress Carrie podcast is done. Huge thanks to Brent Smith from Shinedown, who can be found online at shinedown.com. That's also where you can get all of the details on Atlas Falls. And of course, on all your social outlets at Shinedown for the band and at the Brent Smith. If you're looking for Brent, hit him up online. Tell him you heard him on the podcast. And speaking of the podcast, Thank you so much for checking it out. Please hit subscribe. You don't want to miss episode two coming next week. Another unbelievable guest lined up for you. And huge thanks to Image Custom Designs for helping to sponsor the podcast. You can hit them up, imagecustomdesigns.com. And of course, RPM Dynamics and my good friend, Jim Rose. You can find him at rpmdynamics.com as well. I'll see you guys in the war room. Live on my Facebook page every Tuesday night at 8.30. If you're looking for me online, you can find me on social media at Mistress Carrie WAF on Facebook and Instagram and at Mistress Carrie on Twitter and YouTube. Well, and TikTok, but I haven't made any videos yet. You can also find my crazy ass dog at Wednesday the Goth Pug on Instagram, but try not to make her ego any bigger than it already is.